Friends, JR Foresteros here. Welcome back to Don't Split Up. It's been a hot minute, and I wanted to give you some updates on what's been going on with the podcast. Obviously, we've been on an extended, sort of unanticipated hiatus, and we've done a bunch of co-host shuffling. Uh, that's just, you know, we have four co-hosts, and life gets really busy. So it gets difficult to get everyone together. And then, you know, we've had co-hosts move and go into school and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we are still working on what it's going to look like to come back full time because, you know, I just love horror so much. I have to talk about it. But in the meantime, we're releasing this series of interviews that I have been able to conduct that are super fun. And I thought you, just because the podcast is not back full time doesn't mean you should not be able to hear them. So this first one that we are releasing is about a very low budget Christmas anthology horror movie called The Christmas Tapes. So uh, I know this has two things going against it for a lot of you. One, low budget, and two, that it's an anthology film. But let me tell you why I think this one's a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, I have grown uh, a deep fondness for low budget horror in the last several years. I think that horror is one of the genres that lends itself to a sort of do-it-yourself DIY aesthetic. And a lot of our favorite classic horror movies came from people who had very small budgets who were able to get really creative and do some really pretty incredible stuff. Uh, so I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the fact that we're in the middle of this big cultural horror boom where we're getting these art house horror movies from A24 and big budget horror movies that have all kinds of money to spend on all the goop and gross and even CGI stuff. Um, and then yet in the midst of that, there are people who are doing the same old thing that horror cut its teeth on the very low budget, super fun, uh, kind of exploration of what really scares us. So obviously I think when you watch low budget horror, you have to sort of go into it knowing that that's what you're getting. Uh, but I think that's okay. Right. I think when we, when we do that, we understand that, um, we are going to make some allowances. And uh, what I never really considered before this particular interview that you're going to hear today is how much actors really appreciate some low-budget horror. And so uh, this interview that I'm doing today, uh, there's two of them for this film. I got to interview uh, two really terrific actors, character actors who have been doing all kinds of different work for ages that I think you're really going to enjoy. And they both talk about why they have spent the part of the career that they're in doing so much horror and specifically so much low budget horror. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. Uh, I think one of the reasons you'll enjoy this interview is because you're going to get to hear from these guys uh, why this is so much fun for them and why as actors who have a lot of choices, they're choosing to do so much horror. Um, the, the other, uh, thing that I, uh, I said, you kind of have to 
uh, squint a little bit is I know a lot of us don't love horror anthologies. Now they have gotten a lot better, I think in the last few years uh, as it, as it's been making a comeback. Um, but I don't know. I do love horror anthologies quite a lot. I think it's really fun to do short horror fiction. I think that, um, we have opportunities when we do short horror to really drill down on what scares us. And you'll actually hear one of the guys that, uh, that I'm interviewing today talk about that a little bit. Um, it's, it's just like short stories, right? I love a good horror novel, but I think short horror fiction, uh, really it strips away everything else and gets right down to the, like the, the bare bones of what really scares us. So, uh, a little bit about this movie, the Christmas tapes, it is an anthology. It has the, the typical wrapper around it, but then also goes into the individual episodes. And I'm interviewing two actors from two of those segments. Uh, the first is Vernon Wells, who plays a deranged Santa Claus. And then the second is Dave Sheridan, who plays a character named paranormal Perry. So uh, I'm going to introduce each of these guys here in a minute and, and uh, before, you know, before I interview them and let you hear kind of their take on stuff. But first, I want to talk a little bit about this movie. It is a lot of fun. It is super low budget. Uh, but I think the thing that will stick out to you pretty immediately and the thing that I actually came to enjoy quite a lot, particularly even more after I talked to these actors, was how collaborative the writing process was. Uh, both of these guys will talk about how the scripts they got were very bare bones and how that allowed them to explore uh, the characters and even create the characters alongside the directors and the other the rest of the cast and all of that. Uh, it ends up creating a pretty unique experience, I thought. And um, I would say that these films as a whole tend more towards the horror comedy than the straight horror. But there's some really fun stuff in this movie. And I think it's definitely worth, uh, you know, a watch, particularly if you can get a couple of friends to watch with you and you all kind of can laugh and enjoy together. So... Uh, I, without any further ado, I want to get y'all into these two interviews cause they're just terrific. I just also want to say about these two guys, you know, you never know when you're going to be doing interviews, how folks are going to be. And these guys both have a ton of acting credits to their name. They've been in the business for ages. And I was honestly a little bit nervous that, uh, I would be, uh, sort of, I don't want to say wasting their time, right? Cause you know, you knew I was going to enjoy it and I know y'all enjoy it, but I was kind of, I was afraid that they'd be, uh, literally phoning it in in addition to figuratively phoning it in. And neither one of them did. Both of these guys were incredibly generous with their time. Uh, the interviews went way longer than they were scheduled for. Cause both of the guys were just so generous with telling stories, not about only about the, the films that we're talking about, but their time in the industry and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, I think you will, re if you, sort of like getting a window into how movies are made, particularly not the, you know, uh, $130 million budgets, but some of these real small movies. I think you're going to love these interviews. And they were both just so much fun to talk to. So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to my first guest. His name is Vernon Wells. Uh, he is a strong featured Australian actor who uh, is from Victoria he initially worked in a quarry and then as a salesman, and then he got noticed by casting agents. Uh, so he was doing Australian TV commercials, print ads, and uh, local TV shows. Uh, but his 
kind of breakthrough performance was in a movie you might have heard of called The Road Warrior. That was Mad Max 2, where he got to in, he got to uh, work with none other than the great George Miller. He played Wes, one, one of the main antagonists in there. And uh, Mr. Wells has been working in uh, film ever since then. He has an incredibly stacked IMDb. He was in everything from weird science and inner space to commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, and he has never stopped working. And so, like I said, uh, t- talking with him, hearing about his take on the industry was fascinating. And honestly, hearing his love of horror was so much fun. So without any further ado, I want to get over to our interview with Vernon Wells. Uh, We're here with actor Vernon Wells. Vernon, welcome to the show. We are so honored to have you on. Well, my uh, my pleasure, sir. So I'm curious. uh, This is a Christmas horror film, and I know you're not. This is not your first Christmas horror film, but is is this uh, is horror a genre you particularly enjoy uh, getting to perform in, or uh, is it you know just was this another project for you? You know, the funny thing is, is that horror never kind of interested me. It was always like, yeah, slasher, grab, you know, boobs and death, you know. I, I, it really, and I was sort of like, yeah, cheap, you know, $10 movies. And uh, so I always, I didn't poo-poo it, but I just didn't um, actively go looking for horror movies to do. And I was more into the uh, action and things like that, you know, that was my thing. Um uh, so I was there, but when I did my first horror film, which was a Christmas movie, horror Christmas movie, um, Silent Night, Holy, uh, no, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I did it for a friend, and he said, we're going to kill Santa Claus, and you're going to get, <laughs> you know, you're going to get killed by all these vampires, and, uh, sorry, these um, uh, man-eating uh, people, and and, uh, and you're the hero that comes, the way he got me was he said, you're the hero, you come in, and you're like... I can save you all. All we got to do is get to the airport and we've got the whole thing saved. And everybody rallies to you and you walk out the door and all of the things grab you and, and kill you instantly. And and it's like, that's it for you. And I went, love it. <laughs> I want to do it. I thought, that was, I thought that was so much fun. It was like, I'm the big hero who gets killed the minute he walks out the door. Um, so I thought that was just, you know, and and from that, people saw that and then people started ringing and saying, oh, we got this horror movie we want you to do, you know, <laughs> or would you do this? And so I actually got into a few reasonably good movies and I thought, this is kind of fun. You know, it's, it's, it's another outlet for what I do, so I'm going to enjoy this and, uh, I've done quite a few, which have all been, as I said, quite interesting. But this one was so much fun to do. It was just hysterical playing Santa Claus. Um, and it's four different movies, like right. four, four parts uh, that the guy who's holding them hostage is showing them these Christmas movies. Um, and it, it, as, as I said, my my favorite line in the whole thing that I do is, I am the piper and the piper must be paid. <laughs> and it's just so much fun. He's just like, and I, I get to do all this like ridiculous stuff as Santa Claus. 
And I was just having so much fun. I was just like, oh, this is really, really cool. And I mean, we did it a couple of years ago, probably, God, close to three years maybe. And um, I'd forgotten all about it because, you know, I've moved on doing a lot of stuff since then. And then they rang me up and they said, hey, we're uh, releasing it this year and we want you to come up to um, Sacramento for the on the December the 14th for the opening. And we're going to have a whole big thing and blah, blah, blah. And I went, for what? <laughs> and they went for the Christmas movie you did, the Santa movie. And I went, when? And they went, well, <laughs> a couple of years ago. And, I went, jog my memory, tell me. And he just said that line. He said, well, you know, I guess I'm the piper and the piper has, oh, my God. You know, yes. like, and I said, that, oh, I love that. And he said, well, we're now doing it. And I went, oh, that is so cool. So um, it, it all started there. And, and uh, now we're, you know, promoting it, which I think is wonderful. But I just had so much fun doing it because... <laughs> He's, he's just a, the worst Sandy you could ever imagine. I mean, he tortures the guy and does all these horrible things um, as as Santa Claus. Yeah. And I just feel that it's just so funny. All these little kids will never, ever ask Santa for presents <laughs> again. I have well, saved I... parents of the world thousands <laughs> of dollars. Their kids will never want Santa to bring them anything. Um, but, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, to me, I think in, in what I do, everything I do, I do as, you know, to the best I can do. I, I don't sort of go, oh, there's a horror movie, yuck. Um, I've, I've done, God, there's a film just come out, which I did called Frost with Deveni Pin, which okay. is horrific. Um, and probably one of the best films I've ever done. It is, and she is, oh my God, she should win the Academy Award, seriously. She is so brilliant in it. But it's a horror movie. But it's, the, the movies I get now that are, are horror-oriented are so much bigger and better. You know, there's, there's so much more, uh, I don't know how you would put it, there's, there's so much more juice to them. You know, they're not these little fluffy it's, you know, it's like running in with a knife, stabbing people and there's blood everywhere and the whole thing and you laugh and you run out the door and, you know, people chase you sort of thing. And then you sort of go past that phase to being offered amazingly brilliant scripts like this one, the, the Christmas movie. And you start going, these movies are really good and I'm really enjoying them. I mean, I've got... Uh, Frost, and then there's another one coming out called The Devil Within, which I play a defrocked priest fighting the devil. It's still a horror movie, but it's such a good movie. It's like, oh, I love this. So I'm really, really enjoying it. It's, it's. I think we all progress from where we are, and and that's it's a progression of who we we are and how we see ourselves. And I think the whole basis of this is that. Horror is something that's been around since man inhabited this earth, you know, sitting around a, a campfire at night telling horrific stories about if you don't keep the campfire going and you go out into the dark, there are things out there that will get you. Horror. So we've actually had horror and horror um, films without it being on film in our lives for millennia. 
And now what we're doing is we're putting that same fear on the films. And I mean, a good horror film like the Santa Claus film has something that's very real to you and something that you feel is not threatening that suddenly becomes (laughs) horrific. And it's like, oh, my God, no, not Santa Claus. You know, it's the same as clown movies when you get the the killer clown. It's like, no, 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 it can't be a clown that's the killer. Um, So I think what we're doing was we're we're, um, hitting that primal fear that we all have for certain things. And uh, that's what makes them so much fun is that people get scared not because the film's horrific, because we're hitting a primal fear of something in the movie, and they're like, "Oh shit!" You know, yeah. I, I sat on Santa's knee when I was like three years old, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you, you're hitting this base fear with people, and that's what I love, and that's why I love the film. I thought it was so much fun to do. There's Did I um, just blow your whole day by no, I I love it. Um, and I just I do want to say uh, the amount of fun you were having with the character really came through. And I actually wanted to ask about that because, you know, the, the, um, it's it's fairly short. I mean, it's not a feature. Like you said, it's it's in an anthology. So, we're, you know, it's about 20 minutes, yep. uh, 30 minutes. And I mean, altogether, it's got to be a pretty short script. And yep. there's not a big uh, there's not a big backstory i mean you get a little bit of it in in the script with with what the santa's deal is and what his motivation but it's pretty sparse and so i'm curious was the was the tone something that you brought to it when you read the script was that something you worked on with the director or because again like you said it has this it has this playful tone in the most menacing way possible and i thought it was just really effective it's 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 oh that primal fear when, when I got the script and I read it and um, I, I thought it was very funny, um, I, I contacted the director. I said, all right, so we had a talk about the character. And I said, so what do you want me to do? And he said, seriously, you want me to tell you how to act? And I was like, <laughs> no, I, what do you want? And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, I think he should be fun and that he should not be taken seriously and that he's just having a lot of fun doing this. And that makes him more scary. To me, the greatest villains are the ones you look at and go, you know what, I'd go out and have a beer with him. Because they're like you. And that makes them more scary and and more a problem. Because you look at it and you're, oh shit, I could actually do that. And to me, this character's the same. He's fun. And And you think... You know, if I met him on the street in his Santa Claus thing and he was as happy as he is and doing that whole thing, I'd probably give him $10. Right, right. And, you know, and he's just butchered somebody 10 minutes away in the house back there, you know, that kind of thing. So that was how I looked at it and that was how I played it was that this guy is a lot of fun and he's enjoying what he's doing. And he has an agenda and he needs to get to that point. And because the, the film, as you said, is like 30 minutes, he has to get there faster than he would if it was a full-length movie. Yeah. So you you have a little bit of a, a more intense thing with him. It's it's not sort of played out over, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's more, this is it, this is him, wham, right in your face. Right. And uh, I thought that was fun. No, I enjoyed it. And uh, 
they love what I did. So I was happy. That's my whole thing is if I do it, and the director says, loved it. Um, I can go home happy, you know, like, hey, I just scared the shit out of another three kids. I'm fine. <laughs> well, uh, it really was a terrific film. Uh, the, the whole anthology is, like you said, it's a lot of fun uh, in a very different way from most Christmas movies. So uh, thanks. Thanks so much for your work on it. Uh, it. It was it was so evidently uh, such a good experience. And and I, I think yep. that translates to the viewers as well. Yep. I just. I, I just, you know, now I'm at that stage in my career where I enjoy what I do. I'm not trying to prove anything and I'm not trying to prove to people, oh, I'm a great actor. I now do it because I want to do it. And I'm doing it because I know what I'm doing and I know I can do it well. So that to me is, is I think every actor's dream is to get to that point where you can take any character you're given and create a situation for that character which works within the parameters of the script and um i'm blessed enough to be at that point where i can go oh yeah yeah this guy yeah i could make him do this that and the other thing whereas possibly a few years ago i couldn't i'd be like well well shit you know he's he's shooting people well give me a gun and we'll try it now i'm more why why is he shooting people it's not in the script but you tell me and so i make them have their own backstory to me and then i from that i i extrapolate on to where the character should go and uh that's with this it was the same kind of thing it was like okay so why and then it's like yeah, i think he should be fun let's let's play with him and see how we go and, and make him um just this fun character that is terrifyingly you know murderous <clears throat> um um <laughs> and uh, see where we go. Uh, so yeah, I love it. As you're probably aware, it's, it's yes. kind of. Uh, I always made a deal with myself. The first time I wake up in the morning and I've got to go to set or I've got to do a film, and I go, "Shit, do I have to get up and go and do this?" It's over. I don't want to do it anymore. It's become a job. Um, it's still to me a fun game to do. It's not this job that I have to go to every. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I put 120% into everything I do. But it's not a nine-to-five characterized job where I have to do it. Now, this is now. It's something that I do because I enjoy and I love. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. I will do it and I'll have fun doing it. And when it's finished and I get to see the end result, I can stand, sit there and go, wow. That is so, at the times I've done it, I've sat there watching myself and go, he's not, oh shit, that's me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm congratulating the actor and it's me. He's like, oh yes, right. Mm. Because I get caught up in the moment of what I'm doing and forget that I'm the guy that did the moment. Yeah. And I think that, that to me is kind of the fun part of this job is just those moments that, that you can do. Um, without having to think about it and then when you see it you, you're like wow oh shit did i do that it's like in frost it was the same uh, my wife and i sat down and watched it and um she said how did you do that and i went i have no idea <laughs> i really have no idea but but it looks good um because on the day and in the uh, um the the uh concept of what i'm doing i don't think about it 
you know, I don't get into this thing of going, well, maybe I should think about how I'm doing this. I just do what the character is and how I see the character played. And I think that's from George Miller in Road Warrior, where he um, in, in, imparted in my brain uh, this thing of, of, of do it 120% because it's easier to bring you down than take you up. So I always start every character or everything I'm doing is big and broad. And then the director can say, you know what? I love what you're doing, but can we bring it down 25%? And then it's still the same thing, but the intensity comes down a little bit. So I uh, I think that's that all is the way I've always looked at things is go in, enjoy. Jeez, we all take this so seriously. Yeah, it's always people go, well, you know, I'm an actor. And, I'm, and it's like, yeah, so what's your point? Uh, like, yeah, I'm an actor too. When I don't go around telling everybody, I don't give a shit. It's like half the people I know have no clue what I do for a living. Really? Yeah. When they see me on film, they go, "We just saw a film the other night. Was that you?" <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, you know. Oh my god, you know, because it's a job to you know. It's like what I do for a living. It's not what I do for people to come up to me and go, "Oh my god, you're going well." Don't get me wrong. The people coming up and talk to me I love like you and people like that because the appreciation for what I do means that I'm doing it well so that always I enjoy that and I and I love talking to people I do the conventions because I get to talk to people about the films I do and you know they come up and they ask questions <laughs> dear god you know it's like excuse me <laughs> I don't know where they come up with some of this stuff but it's like no, I don't think that was me. And then, of course, it's funny because they'll say something like, "Yeah, in that scene in 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 Road Warrior, where where the guy gets his head smashed on the back of the truck, and you're on the other truck coming in, you know what was that like?" And I go, uh, "Nobody got their head smashed on the back of the truck." <laughs> and they go, "No, no, no, no!" I'm not... And seriously, they will argue with me until finally I'll go, um, "I was there." <laughs> <laughs> You weren't. So I think I know actually what happened. And they, but they get so intense with this. No, no, no. You're wrong. I'm right. Thing. Damn. But I mean, that's what I love. Is that? Yeah. Because people take what you do so seriously. That's why, as actors, we have a a, a responsibility to do it properly and do it well, so that people, you know, they they get into these things years later. They're still attacking you about something <laughs> I can now see Santa Claus being a totally different person when I meet mm. people and their kids mm. I can see none of my <laughs> friends will let me touch their kids at Christmas. right right them. right <laughs> it'll be like yeah but I didn't do anything to a kid it was his father so uh maybe yeah. should be afraid <laughs> and he sounds like he was kind of a bad dad so you know yeah <laughs> but uh but that anyway that's me awesome well, uh, folks, the film is The Christmas Tapes. Uh, Vernon Wells plays Santa. You won't be able to miss him. He's in the second uh, the second film in the anthology. It is available everywhere on December 12th. And Frost is available now if you want to check that one out as well. That is already on video on demand. Yep. Uh, so, uh, sir, thank you again so much for being with us. Congrats on both of these films. 
and good luck on your next projects. I was scrolling your IMDb, IMDb page and it looks like you've got us in movies at least through the end of next year. So <laughs> yeah, the idiots keep hiring me. What can I say? <laughs> well, thanks again so much, sir. It's been an honor to have you on the show. No, it's my pleasure, my friend. Anytime. I'm, uh, I'm always love to talk to you guys. It's fun. Okay, welcome back. Uh, that was our interview with Fernand Wells. Our next guest is another uh, another actor that I just think is terrific. I mentioned to him before we started recording that my first exposure to him was in a movie called Bubble Boy, which starred him alongside Jake Gyllenhaal, where he played a guy named Mark, who was the sort of the main antagonist of, of the film, if the film can be said to even have an antagonist. Uh, he was so funny in that movie. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in ages, but it really left an impression on me because he played his character so perfectly terribly. Um, and so uh, Dave has uh, been, again, in the industry forever. He began his career at Saturday Night Live, and then he was in The Second City. So he actually started in comedy. And if you look at his IMDb page today, he's mostly doing a ton of horror stuff. So one of the first questions I asked him right out of the gate was, uh, wait a second, how, like, what was about, what was it about this transition from comedy to horror? And so honestly, before we even started talking about his role in the Christmas tapes, which is also a very, very funny role, uh, we talked a little bit about the relationship between comedy and horror in a way that I think y'all will really enjoy quite a lot. So again, Dave is amazing. We had an a blast getting to talk. Uh, he keeps threatening that he is going to come to a Texas Frightmare. Uh, so we might get to hang out IRL. And yeah, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dave half as much as I did because he is really just an incredible delight. And I, I know you'll want to check out these movies. Don't split up. We're here with Dave Sheridan. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So you've done quite a bit of horror over the last few years. Uh, I'm curious, is this a genre that you particularly love or like what, what's drawn you to these projects lately? That's that's a great question. So um, obviously I'm trained in comedy and really my forte is comedy and improv and uh, such and such. And it wasn't until I did The Devil's Rejects with Rob Zombie, who you know, he's kind of like when he casts movies, it's a lot like Quentin Tarantino, where he, you know, really wants to have a shotgun aspect of the actors he just wants to work with, you know, and he saw me in Ghost World and the Red Hot Chili Peppers videos. And he's like, I want to work with that guy. But he also, you know, Rob is a huge comedy fan. Uh, all he does is watch like black and white comedies at his house with on videotape and stuff like that. And uh so if you go and look at the Devil's Rejects, it's it's got all these iconic horror actors, but it's, it's a lot of com comedians and then a lot of crossovers where it's like, you know, uh, Leslie Easterbrook. I knew her from Police Academy, but she has a lot of horror cred. And then, uh, you know, yeah, Priscilla Barnes and at the time, Lou Temple's really funny. Brian Posehn, just a lot of comedians, you know, Daniel Roebuck and um and I was one of them as well. And so then about, I think it was 2015, uh, there was a 10-year Devil's Rejects reunion at, at a horror convention, and I was invited. And I 
I never even knew there was horror conventions. And um, I also didn't know, and while I was shooting Devil's Rejects, I didn't know that, you know, Kane Hodder was our, our, our um, he was our uh, stunt coordinator, you know? And then there was like Bill Mosley and Sid Haig and, uh, you know, Michael Barrowman and just like, just such a list of heavy hitters that are like known for being icons of horror. And I didn't even know that while I was shooting. I got, I, you know, cause I wasn't really uh, educated in the names of that world. I mean, I knew, you know, like Kane Hodder, I, I, I knew him as a stunt coordinator. I actually, I worked on another film prior to that with him. I didn't know he was Jason. Of course I knew Friday 13th and I've watched the Friday 13th fan, you know, films, but I didn't, I never really thought that I'm not, a, I have a fourth grade level reading. So reading credits, there's not something, you know, <laughs> you're at the end of a movie and you're getting the heck out of it. Right, and right, you, right. You, I grew up in a time where it's like, okay, we just started getting VHS tapes and stuff like that. So it's like, when, when did credits start to actually be read by people you know, the older movies had much more opening credits, you know, like right, full opening right. credits. Then they started shifting it to the, the end. And then on TV, they push it to the side and it runs up really quick. So it's <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't until IMDb and the internet that all of a sudden now people can go, oh, let me look up who that is. Let me see who that is. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know who that was. And I and I was the guy that watched movies for movies. I, I really could care less what the actor's name was or who they were. Because all that would do is take me out of right. my story. And I'm like, I, I just want to watch the movie, you know. And I love being an actor myself. I'm just like, I just want to watch this and love the world and be into the performance of these are the characters, you know. Um, so with that said, though, then I did a horror convention uh, for this 10th year anniversary, and I was sort of blown away with like the world, first of all, and like the fan base. And how fervent they are, but also loyal and, and educated and passionate about their genres. And it just really jazzed me. And I was uh, I was like, I, I want to do I want to do more of these conventions. I want to I love the energy. And I was like, but I'm going to need more horror credits, you know. And um, so then I made it a point to say, OK, I'm, I'm going to just start making horror movies and so that I can be in that world. Uh, the same way that like when I came up and I wanted to be a comedian, it's like, oh, then I got to do comedies, you know. Yeah. Um, if I was dying to be, you know, a dramatic actor playing people in wheelchairs and dying of AIDS, then I would go and make those movies. So, right, just, right, right. That's oh, awesome. But, so, oh, go ahead, please. Thank you. I see one yeah. thing about the interesting thing that I discovered with horror and I know there's a lot of subgenres, and there are ones that are really dark and really dramatic. And I've done a couple like that, um, but most have to have some levity. Most have some sense of humor to themselves. And in in learning about horror and learning how to, uh, you know, to write it, to direct it, what works, the triggers and stuff like that, the, you know, the jump scares, the tension, building tension, letting the air out. Well, one thing is after after the brutal kills and stuff like that, you know, you only have a certain amount of time. So you really want to reset the audience. You want to get them back settled so that you can get back into something. You can't just be tense the whole time. Uh, otherwise, you're going to fall over and uh, you have to have to sit back, be tense, sit back, be tense. It's a roller coaster ride. And so comedy is the fastest, easiest way to sort of reset 
And that's what Rob uses. That's if you watch, I know people weren't a fan of the new Halloween, but you know, the other, the last, the very first one, Halloween uh, nine, uh, 2018 reboot one, the first of that three trilogy, you know, Danny McBride is a comedian and he wrote those movies and utilized comedy really well to keep the whole back and forth of, okay, here's going to be a brutal kill. And now we're going to let you relax a little bit. And don't forget, this is life. This is fake. And let's, let's all enjoy the movie. So here's a couple chuckles. So I find that now, you know, my forte being comedy is a valuable asset to a lot of these horror movies that I am bringing something of value to it in that sense, you know? So. Well, that's it's so interesting because I think even structurally, there seems to be so much uh, similarity between comedy and horror. Like when you were talking about the the way a scare happens, that feels to me a lot like set up punchline kind of relaxing as well. Exactly. Um, And even, yeah, I mean, even the, the, the beats of a, the idea that in comedy, you're breaking someone's guesser, right? You're subverting their expectations to get the laugh. Well, of course, that's a lot of what's happening in a lot of the really effective horror movies too, is when they finally show you what's going on, it's worse than whatever you thought it was. Right. Yeah, it's sort of like, oh, you were taken to the left when you thought you were on this thing veering to the right, you know what I mean? And, and so that, you know, the reversals and stuff like that. So that's a great point. And, um, and also it's, it, it, they do, they are two immediate gratification art forms. And that, that's one thing that, you know, and anybody that is looking to get into theatrical and acting and stuff like that, one of the benefits from going and doing improv at a theater or you know trying out comedy is uh you get immediate feedback from the audience yeah uh, doing you know uh, a dramatic you know samuel beckett play or something like that it, it you know it's hard to gauge am i connecting with that audience on a drama you know what i mean when it's meant to be still and stuff like that and i have done theater and drama and you do no, I, I would tell you it's a phenomenon that I experienced when I finally started doing dramatic theater was there is this air that gets sucked out when you really hit this sort of mm. poignant note because the audience collectively holds their breath and you could feel the back of the stage just kind of pull air. And I was like, it, it sends goosebumps. And wow. I did. I did get them. That's that's the version of the laugh you get from comedy is this sort of like people just kind of not breathing for a moment while they're, they're really sucked in. And so, um, which is probably sucked. Maybe that's how sucked in the sucked in. You know what I mean? Uh, A lot of stuff comes from, you know, vernacular, the vaudeville period and stuff like that. So getting the audience sucked in. So the, um, but ultimately, so that, 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 you know, the same thing works with horror, like you're saying, is you'll know when you do something right. You know, you could be a director sitting in a theater going like, I nailed it. I got them. You know what I mean? Because you, you you see it, you know? And you yeah. Feel it. Uh, so let, <laughs> let's talk about Paranormal Perry. <laughs> it's terrific. Um, so in in the in this short film, you have a couple who moves into a new house spooky stuff starts happening it's christmas eve they're convinced that they cannot possibly get anyone to show up on such short notice and then in you walk and i i'm just really curious how much of this character was on the page when you got the script and how much of it was you improving because there were there were some 
like the fact that he walked to the house slayed me. Like I was yeah. laughing out loud for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you played it so like, it was just so perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, there was absolutely zero, uh, you know, the director, the two directors, they had like a piece of paper that looked like, <laughs> like you knock on the door, you come in, you, you go to this room and they'll, they'll, they'll you know, there was a bell ringing that you're going to hang. Hey, there was really nothing about like, Oh, what is my character arc? Who is my character? What any of that's going to be. And wow. It, it really came out. And, and, it, and there was, when we were doing it, honestly, as, even as I was doing it, it was, there was nothing past what I'm saying, you know, but as I'm saying it in between breaks, it's sort of like, and, you know, we do a couple rehearsals, we do blocking, you know, because I had to run cameras sometimes. Ian had to run, the, the actor playing Ian had to run cameras. So we had to figure all that out. But uh, the biggest sort of like left turn that the whole thing took in shooting this was originally, um, it was a film that we were going to do with myself and my partner, Felissa Rose. We were going to play husband and wife being okay. hired to come do this paranormal investigation. And she had a family emergency the night before and was like, I can't go. I can't go. And we were driving up. I was going to drive her and carpool up. And it was a, a seven hour drive from where I'm at, south of Los Angeles to Sacramento. And, um, you know, I said, are you sure? Let's let's hold let's hold off. And meanwhile, I'm calling Rob being like, I don't think she can come. And Can we push it? And, no, we can't push it. I got that. I got the, 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 the gear you know, the makeup person, the effects person, the house is rented, the other actors are coming, they took the day, you know, they, and so I was like, okay, okay, I'll come, but let me wait and give her like the, till the 11 o'clock hour of like, can she make it or not? And 11 o'clock hour was actually almost, because it was about 10 p.m. where I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> because my call was 8 a.m. tomorrow, and I did wait past, um, I wanted to give her some time she could make it. And then also I wanted to try to like avoid traffic, avoid the rush. Sure, so, of course, yeah. So I drove up at like 10, a, 10 p.m. and I got to the hotel around 3.30 a.m. And it, I didn't call the hotel that Rob got me. And uh, it turned out there's no one at the desk after midnight. It's a locked door. And the only way you get in is if you already have a hotel key room. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. like, bang it. And I mean, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> And I looked at my, I go, I, I got to be there at eight. I probably got to get up at seven to like get coffee and showered and all that stuff. But there was not even getting a hotel room. So I just went and crashed in my car and showed up. And so that right away, that really set the stage for <laughs> what, what, is, what am I going to play today? Who is this guy? <laughs> so if you want to know where the whole, does he live in his car? Yeah. That's <laughs> And the walking came from, I have a Prius and Rob mm -hmm. was like, oh, well, like, you know, we don't have a vehicle for him to show up on, you know, and I, the Prius doesn't really fit the character. So we'll, <laughs> we want your entry. We'll just have you start here. And you could say you walked, it's parked down the street and, you know, that kind of thing. And then from, you know, how these things develop from the whole idea that, wait a second, I don't drive. I maybe live in my car. I walked all these places. Why is that? So when you get to that section where I reveal my Christmas tragedy <laughs> yeah. is why I don't drive anymore. You know what I mean? Why I can't get in the car. So that came from the fact that, oh, we, I'd already said I don't, I walk everywhere. So, you know, each thing kind of like leads itself to the nest. I mean, that, that is so funny. Cause yeah, he was, 
he was such an earnest and like sad sack character. Like every every sentence he says, you feel like worse for him. Yeah. <laughs> but not in a way that you felt like he was calling attention to it, right? Like he's just he's just yeah. Perry, man. He's just <laughs> yeah. I thought that the I thought it was like a, a immediately when I was like, okay, now I'm by myself. Felicity's not there. And then it was like, well, who is the guy that is available at Christmas time? <laughs> You know, right. and that why would and I knew I was like, look, we're I'm gonna I am gonna be the comedic thing. I'm gonna be kind of ridiculous. And so we didn't want to make them look completely stupid of like, why would they hire this guy? So that's where the whole like, hey, you called Mitch, and Mitch is Mitch has got a life, Mitch has got a family, right? Mitch look good, look legitimate. They have no idea that I'm coming over because Mitch is in Cancun with his family for the holidays and he farmed it out to me, you know, which is probably <laughs> I'm probably hacking into his messaging or something or i'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah mitch called me it's like probably not probably, mitch has no uh-huh. idea on his work but you know I, I immediately thought like of well what the holiday movies and, and really i would say a bit this from like i was like let's go with john candy from plane trains and automobiles yes yep this, like he's annoying then but he's sincere and he's earnest and then he's got a darker sadder thing and it's like he just the reason he's there is like, you know, there's in that moment where they don't want him. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this for free. I'll do this, you know, for you guys. For, <laughs> but the reality is like, I'm lonely. I have nobody. Right. You know, yeah. It's probably pretty obvious. And, and then there's like a, what about Bob? And then I, and then because it's a paranormal thing and I did want to make it creepy. That's when it, I added a little bit of that cable guy aspect. Yeah. Jim. Well, wait a second. Who's worse? The paranormal Perry or the spirit? Like who, who is like, is he going to be the, you know, psychopathic, you know, Christian Bale, Jeffrey Dahmer type of guy? You don't right. know. You kind of keep them guessing, you know? So, um, so all that stuff really came out of the fact that all of a sudden I was alone in the scene. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, but I, it's like that kind of Bob Ross painting stuff with the happy accidents. There's, there, there's actually, it was a, it was such a blessing because since we're improvising, it's so great to come with an empty space, you know what I mean? Blank slate and go, because that's the pure, the purest way to improvise, you know, and let yeah. the zeitgeist just create it, you know, so. Well, congrats. It is a wonderful little short film and a whole collection of, of films that worked really well. It was, it was, the whole thing is a lot of fun, so. I do, but I thought like it's a great balance of like, oh, that's a dark one. That's a straightforward one, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I think they made the right choice to end with mine because it was sort of like the one that's sort of like, it's the one that kind of like in some weird way has this drive of what Christmas is about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Well, um, I know we're about out of time, but uh, you have a lot of projects in the pipeline. Uh, Are there a couple that you're the most excited about? I know every child is your favorite, but um, you know, any, any that you just want to shout out? Um, well, I, I am working on something currently right now. And it's so funny because it was like, we did this, the Christmas tapes, the next thing I'm shooting in Kentucky, actually. And it, again, I am in that horror world now. And one of the things that comes along with the horror world is these things are ultra low budget. They're D D Y I. What, what I like about it and something else I discovered, it was like, I, I can do what I want. You know what I mean? Uh, and there's more media. It's like, oh, wait, I can make five movies and and just like 
be an actor and just play another character and like, you know, stretch myself. Felissa has been great. She, she produces a lot of these and go, you've never played a character like this. I want to challenge you. You're, this is going to be dark. Now you're going to be the killer. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, that is stuff you probably, I wouldn't get within the Hollywood system because you definitely get pigeonholed and it's really hard to try something new. So that's the other advantage that came out of getting involved in independent, like the lower budget films. And the one thing I would say is I always, I always, do whatever my job is to do my job you know what i mean i'm not the sound i'm not the camera guy i'm not the lighter i'm not the editor i don't know how the films are going to turn out i didn't write them but i definitely will never you know mail it in fax it in phone it in uh, i don't want to be that person that takes a little bit of money from some local filmmaker and didn't commit you know what yeah. i mean ever go down that slope then that's just you might as well retire you know what i mean like it's any like a professional athlete you either train and play hard or do something else, you know, go sell cars. So uh, I'm not going to, I can't change what I do. I want to always try to say, I'm going to just do my best, you know? Um, and so with that said, the next one I'm going to do is a New Year's Eve horror movie. So I'm going from <laughs> Perfect. A New Year's Eve horror movie. And then I decided, well, I should just go through the whole calendar. I That's mean, right. I'm gonna, Valentine's Day, Easter, Easter 2, Arbor Day. Arbor Day, just, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the woods, Arbor Day, you know. So, um, yeah, so we're doing an Indiegogo. The filmmakers are out oh, of Oh, cool. Raising money, and it's active right now. It's Indiegogo at New Fears Eve, and there's great perks on there to, to, for people to help support it. But the, the most genuine one is just a pre-order, pre-buy of the Blu-ray, which is a first edition first you know um it's exclusive and it's going to be limited edition these blu-rays that these indiegogos put out that i discovered is like okay the filmmaker itself has to they print up like 200 and deliver them as the perks but they're usually like collector's item immediately because the cast signs them they're different artwork the credits are different the the cut is usually longer or different and then there's deleted scenes that they don't put on when it comes out on all of a sudden it's a distributor puts it out it's going to change the artwork change the back credits yeah so you, you get this cool thing and i i love collecting blu-rays like that and so uh that's something if if, if you're uh if you're into you know horror movies and you're into having that kind of unique thing of like hey this was one of 200 made go to you know indiegogo new fears eve and you can purchase that and also this movie will be out in december uh the christmas tapes and um i think that's coming out on blu-ray and it, like you said thanks for having me I, i'm really pleased with how it came out i'm happy to be a part of the project like i'm looking forward to doing more with rob and randy and see where that goes so. awesome well folks this has been our interview with dave sheridan he plays paranormal perry in one of the short films on the christmas tapes which as he mentioned is available everywhere on digital and Blu-ray December 12th. So plenty of time to put it in your Christmas watch rotation. Uh, you can also go to Indiegogo.com slash New Fears Eve. Am I getting that right? Okay, yes. get a thumbs up from Dave uh, and check out his latest project. Uh, Dave, thank you so much. Real honor to have you on and congrats again on the movie. Okay, friends, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have two more super fun interviews coming your way. Uh, one is an interview with the writer-director of a movie called The Death of April, and the other is with a guy who wrote 
and directed a horror movie that is the most metal horror movie I've probably ever seen. It was a blast. And so keep keep an eye on the feed for those. They'll be up very soon as well. But I want to say thank you for listening. And uh, I know some of you have been waiting a long time for us to come back. I really appreciate it. We're working on it. Uh, but stay spooky out there. And uh, let me know what y'all have been watching lately. I'm still around the internet. So uh, take care, spooky fans. Uh, we'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, don't split up. Yeah.